Hello, everyone. This is Noah. And I'm Simon. And welcome to the Resolve Podcast. We're your resource for all things mental health, academic success, and personal growth. Devoted to helping students thrive and build the resilience to succeed in school and in life. Okay, live for another episode of the Resolve podcast. Taylor Jacobson, quasi-celebrity to me in some ways. Thank you so much for coming on to speak to us and to our students. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. So I, about a year and a half ago, I think, um, I learned about Focusmate around a year and a half ago. I learned about Focusmate. And in a casual first session, actually a second session, my first session with people I do an interview, I get to learn about them. And my second session, I, this person's talking to me about the difficulty of so many of their executive functions. They can't show up to things. They can't manage their time. They're constantly procrastinating. Every day is, is a little bit chaotic in that sense. Days are going by without things getting done. It's very lonely. They're a student. There's not a lot of community. So I just said, you know, you could look into this app. I haven't looked into it too much. Just just check it out. I was just trying to, you know, get the conversation flowing. It was it was weird. So I let it go. I said, you know, check it out. We ne- we met the next week and he comes on a week later and says, "I have been working 8 hours a day." Um <laughs> <laughs> I've been working 8 hours a day on this app that you recommended. I almost didn't even remember. It was such a casual thing because I'm, you know, working in mental health and trying to help people with all these sort of strategies. I do a lot of assistive technologies and I say, okay, wow. Uh, We celebrate this. We're kind of really excited. And I said, listen, let's just stop the meeting. We're going to do a half meeting right now. It sounds like you're on a roll. If you ever need any other support for anything else, get back in touch with me. And I never heard back for therapy after that. And, and I don't mean to say that, that, you know, there's no other benefit to therapy at all, but with my work with ADHD, it was such a breakthrough for this person. It was, it was, it was mind blowing. And I would get screenshots. I think I've gotten about two, like months later, telling me the stats of this person. This is not, it wasn't a week long thing. Oh, I'm in a phase. I'm just doing this. I'm excited. I'm motivated. Months later, hope you remember me. Just wanted to show you my stats of how many sessions I have had on Focusmate. I haven't even introduced what Focusmate is. So, but Taylor, I just wanted to start off with that story. Any, any reactions to that? (laughs) Well, I am reacting to it already. (laughs) I think, yeah, I guess I just can't contain my joy is what's happening. That's so cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah beautiful yeah that is uh i i'm sure uh, a major success story and i i'm just such a big fan of what you do i tell us a little bit about focus mate and your experience and your story in getting this started yeah thanks so let's start with the brass tacks of what is focus mate um in adhd there's something called body doubling and in a sense we're a body doubling service um what that means is Um, you can find an accountability buddy to keep you company on a video call for either 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And so what we make possible is you come onto our platform, you say when you want to be 
getting work done. You schedule a session for 30 minutes or 60 minutes. We find you a partner. You can let us know your preferences for who your partner is. And then you show up on your session. And your session is just with another community member. It's not a coach. It's not a therapist. It's just somebody just like you who has an intention that wants to get things done, that wants to be, you know, follow through. And at the beginning of the session, you say hi, and then you tell each other, hey, you know, what are you working on? And you share, and then your partner says, you know, what are you working on? And, and, and you share. Um, so within about a minute, you've both shared what your intentions are for the session, and then you get down to work. So for either the next, you know, about 30 minutes or about 60 minutes, you're sitting quietly on this video call your partner could be in the corner of your screen. You could maybe have them on your cell phone off to the side of your computer. And you can see them and they can see you, but you're really just kind of keeping each other company while you're working. And you might make some progress and post in the chat, hey, I just finished this thing. I'm moving on to the next thing. Um, and then at the end of the session, a, a bell goes off and brings your attention back. Whatever you were doing brings you back. And you check in with your partner and you say, how did it go? And maybe you rushed it, maybe you got a little distracted, whatever. It's just a moment of reflection to share, moment to celebrate, and that's it. And so somebody like your, your client, you know, they may be doing eight of those in a day, or they may be even doing more than that if they're doing 30-minute sessions. So um, that's really it. Really, really simple. Um, but you also asked, what's my story? <laughs> How did I come to build this service? And think sharing that will also kind of speak to some of the essence of what we do, which is, you know, you said we're building the most supportive community on earth. And, you know, that's really deeply infused into our ethos of how, how we try to, you know, the experience that we're trying to create for ourselves and each other. Um, so the story behind this, because this is a really intentional idea and I don't think it's just something that uh, you do if you're not related to it. It's it's fascinating. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. So how does how do you what's your how do you relate to Focusmate and how did it come to be? Yeah. So I actually had never heard of body doubling. I heard of it much later after we started the company. I was just I was somebody who, well, uh, maybe eleven years ago, I started working remotely for the first time. And I struggled. did that exist 11 years ago. <laughs> it's so cool. That's like you were a pioneer. Yeah, I was a I was a ill-informed pioneer because, well, I, I knew that my commute was too long and I was really suffering. And um, and yet when I started working from home, I became really unproductive and I also became really unhappy, really lonely. And I got pushed out of that job, basically. Um, and that was such a conspicuous, it was the first really conspicuous failure in my life where I was like, oh, I got fired that, you know, I did something wrong. And it was humiliating, really. And, um, and I had always been interested in personal growth. But I got into such a dark place at that time that I really needed to double down on my own growth and healing. And um, so that was the first real tipping point where I decided that I really wanted to start studying this material of behavior change and, you know, just self-help. Um, 
And over the following few years, I got trained as an executive coach. I started coaching people one-on-one and just really getting, you know, rolling up my sleeves in terms of ways that people struggle and how to help. And, um, and the truth was even throughout all that time, I continued to struggle a ton with procrastination because I was still on my own. And at some point I was working with a client who was also a really good friend and he was struggling a ton. (laughs) He had a big presentation coming up and he had been putting it off and putting it off and he was starting to freak out. And, you know, in truth, I think I had always had this fantasy of working like this, like in my back pocket somewhere, but I felt it was so shameful that I would ever want that much support to have somebody like literally keep me company that I just never admitted it to anybody. But in this moment, I was kind of activated number one by the, the need and the pain that he was having and the, just the intimacy of our relationship. I felt safe. And so I just told him this crazy idea. I was like, let's just get on a video call and keep each other company. And so we did that. And (laughs) it was just like, whoa, (laughs) you know, it it really blew both of our hair back. And so that was the spark. Um, I need to just comment on that. Whoa, because it's, it's another, I don't want to get too dramatic, but it seems like another (laughs) dimension. It's, it's this weird. So I'm used to it in the sense of today's Friday. And as you get to Friday evening, I'm an Orthodox Jew, I'm a rabbi and preparing for the Sabbath, the seventh day, the, the day, the sixth day is this sort of energy of pace and movement, get everything done, double up. Uh, when, when the Israelites were in the desert and they were given manna from heaven, the double, the double portion was given on the sixth day in order to prepare for the seventh. There's this energy and this pace and this speed. There's some sort of like, go, 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 get into it. When I entered, and this is a totally a little long-winded, but it's my thought of the day as well. When I enter into the focus mate, like zone, it's, there's a preparation. I know that I can't just casually get in there it's 1057 or whatever i gotta like get moving and then when you're there it's like ah and you just go and it's like everything clicks it's like you just click you're just clicking in a, in a way that's really hard to describe when it's just you by yourself it's another world um so that click of it's a power like i just had a, a meeting right before this one i didn't want by the way i didn't tell them that i was meeting with you i didn't know if, if i should but i should have said that that would have been fun but you just feel it once you get in there you have to prepare you have to make sure you're there on time and then you get there and it's like wow so that wow i i i feel too so you, you had that wow and that wow led to what yeah i had that wow and as a as somebody who had been in and around entrepreneurship for a while it's like you know when you found something that can really help people and and the opposite of that too so um yeah it just was like oh there's definitely millions of people that need this um and as somebody who had struggled so much in my own life i also just felt a really powerful resonance with like this opportunity to serve people feels really good for me and and also just my my passion to understand the body and the mind and how we work and how we get stuck and how we get out of our own way. So long story short, the vision just started to unfold. And that's at a certain point, it was like, I need to, I need to do this. Um, and here we are. So just an, on that story, I want to understand because I think that once virtual co-working, once virtual people started working virtually and it's now a mainstay in our society. What's changed since that happened for you? 
for me and for the company. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it must I have mean, started I'll, clicking on so many more cylinders in terms of people's awareness. Yeah. I mean, from the get go, for me, I just knew like I had faith. And actually, for the first few years, everybody thought it was crazy and stupid. I mean, not everybody, but you know, uh, a lot of good ideas at first, you know, if, if they're new, they're new for a reason. And it's, there's a lot of like, like, I don't need somebody to keep me company while I work. Like I'm fine. You know, like that kind of pride influencing people just saying, this is stupid. Right. And, and there's a lot of, I think, toxic individualism in certainly American culture, this sort of sense that it's better to do things on your own. And I, I think a, a misunderstanding of the strength that's actually there when we support each other and how fundamental that is to being a freaking mammal, <laughs> uh, which is what we are. Um, but yeah, at first it was, you know, a lot of people just thought this was crazy. And then, uh, you know, for better and for worse, the pandemic came along and so many people, A, started to experience the challenge of being isolated and the impact that has on our body, on our mind. And we can come back to more about what that really is. Um, and then, yeah, just the level of vulnerability that I think we all started to share through the course of the pandemic and just, just starting to shift that paradigm of like, oh, we really need to be more open about our issues and more supportive with each other about our issues. And so starting to shift that underlying cultural paradigm, as well as just like the kind of, oh, like remote work productivity is a hot space now, right? So there's kind of both both sides of it. And um, so that just kind of flipped a switch where it's like suddenly this is just a normal thing and an exciting thing. And yeah. It's true, though, that this vulnerability piece, even though it's very small, if you're going on focus, mate, in a way, you're some people might interpret you're telling the world, I can't do this alone, or I don't want to do this alone. I want to do this with other people. And I want to and I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about focus, mate, because I like, I think that's what the world needs. You know, it's like, giving ourselves permission to just be human. <laughs> and you know, this is how our nervous system is designed. This is how our body is designed. It's not meant to be isolated. Yeah, sure. We can function on our own for a bit, but not for too long. We really need to be around each other. And I, you know, I've even heard a theory that the human nervous system is a collective nervous system, you know, almost like mycelium, right? It's this collective and you can see the manifestation of one mushroom above the ground. And it doesn't matter if we believe that or not, it's not necessarily knowable, but I still think it's a really powerful idea because what we do know is that one of the most powerful triggers for nervous system safety um, is to be around other safe people. We need to be connected. We need to be in community. Um, and in order to focus, we need to feel safe. Um, blood flow to the brain is optimized when we feel safe. If we feel unsafe, now it goes to the limbs, to the spinal column, to the to fight, to flee, right? And so um, that's really what's happening is we're just saying, oh, this is how the body works. This is how the nervous system works. We are We feel much safer and we can focus much more effectively when we're in this kind of safe community vibe. Um, so yeah, I, I think we just need to embrace that. Vulner it's not, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And, and hope my, my hope is that we can kind of heal and resolve and change that 
societal narrative. It is, it is human, as you said. And I was going to ask you a little bit more about the benefits, but it sounds like, and we had a little pre-conversation, that you've become very interested in understanding the benefits of Focusmate through an understanding of the nervous system. I want you to just, you started onto it. Can you just expand and, and teach us a little bit about how this kind of work impacts the body or can impact the body? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think the, the important thing for us to understand is just how the nervous system helps optimize the body for different things that it needs to do, basically, right? So sometimes the body is being, you know, chased by a lion and what the body needs to do in that situation is react by running. And so we have the ability to perceive certain signals that say, oh, this is a dangerous situation. The appropriate thing to do is to run. And sometimes we can't run. And in that situation, the appropriate response is to fight, right? And in both of those situations, the body is shifting blood out of the brain, out of our stomach. And it's, it's all about cortisol, adrenaline, you know, the limbs, all the things that we need in order to survive these really dangerous situations. Um, and then there's even a more extreme, which is you can't even fight. And, and when that happens, we go into an even old, this is an even older part of the nervous system. It's a more reptilian part called freeze or shutdown. And in that state, we, we kind of go numb really. And, um, so depression, for example, is a, is a manifestation of this kind of numbness that we're feeling. And, and then there's another nervous system state where we feel safe, right? Our bodies are picking up on the signals that we're okay. And when we're okay, now is the time that we can do all the stuff that we want to do, really. Uh, we're not in survival mode anymore. So now we can collaborate, problem solve, be creative. Um, explore. Explore, be playful. <laughs> um, and, uh, in this state, you know, the body kind of reclaims those resources. And now there's blood flow to our brain. There's blood flow to our face, which is for making facial expressions to communicate to our throat for adding what's called prosody, which is kind of that sing-songy quality that you hear when somebody's more animated and excited versus that when they're not feeling safe, they can go more monotone. Um, so bringing that all back to what's going on with focus mate there's a whole bunch of things that are helping us feel safe within focus mate um, one is this is a very predictable experience right um, okay the first time you do it it's new and that is legitimately the scariest experience that you can have is the first time and that that applies to most things you know the first time is the hardest but it's a really simple and predictable format. You don't need to make conversation. You don't need to think on the spot of something to say, like you're at a dinner party or something. No, none of that, right? You know exactly what's going to happen. And there's no surprises. So that's really safe. You know, there's a ritual to it. Um, you, um, you also are like creating a sort of like um, structure for yourself, right? There's like an intentionality. And then you're following through on that. And then you're getting to report on that later. Um, so there's a certain like safety that we derive from setting an intention, following through on that, checking in on that. Um, and then of course, just the, the culture of Focusmate. So uh, 
<laughs> I'd be curious your experience of this, but we were so mm, we're so committed to like reinforcing that hey, this is a place where we're friendly, we're supportive, we're accepting that at least for me, when I show up on a focus mate session, I could be having a really crappy day. And I'm just like, you know what, T, like get your head in the game and warm up to this person. Um, and so just, it's like snaps you out of whatever you're in and you put on your game face and you're warm, you're friendly, you're supportive. Um, I've heard people say that they smile so much more every day because they're using focus mate. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm going to smile at this person and maybe something will make me laugh. And, and maybe at the end of the session, you're reflecting and you did get distracted, but you can laugh about it. So um, you get that sort of mammalian, I'm co it's called co-regulation. You know, when you're regulating your own nervous system, that's regulation. If you're with another person now, you're co-regulating the nervous system. And that's just like the most powerful signal to the body that it's safe. It's, when you're talking about this, what I'm thinking about is that there are this is about meeting people. There is a culture around it because we all have a similar intention. We know what we want to do. By signing up, we have some community guidelines. It really does feel like an ecosystem and a culture. At the same time, these are complete strangers. And you're talking about safety and connection and trust so that we can lighten up and not put our, our, you know, our defenses up there. We can get to work. How does that work so well, which it does, with people that are strangers to you? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, it comes back to the stuff that we just talked about a little bit. I, I think the word stranger, I think definitionally means that there's there's some threshold that we have intuitively that says on this side, I'm not sure if I'm safe. On this mm -hmm. side, I feel safe. And so- It's not really a stranger. It's not really a stranger. It's it's not. It's really not. Even though it's a it's a person you've never met, but it's like uh, the experience. I can again from drawing on my experience all across the world. When we travel I, with my wife, we have a child. We travel. We go to places far flung. We know if there's a Jewish family there for Shabbat dinner, they're strangers, but they're not. They let us into their home, and now we know each other as if we've always known each other. And I think that's part of the community and the response to individualism that is so difficult for people. Um, maybe that's what it's like. That is a hundred percent what it is because it's, you know, you're saying, okay, our shared faith, our shared Judaism is enough for me to cross that threshold from stranger and to, to imbue this person with my trust. They may break it at some certain point. That's, that's life. That's humanity. Right. But um yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is here. It's saying, okay, because we have joined, you know, in that case, joining the community of Judaism. In this case, joining the community of Focusmate. And each of those stand for something that is meaningful enough that you can now say, okay, I'm going to give this person my trust and believe that I'm safe. And then your experience hopefully reinforces that over and over and over. Um, and it also, you know, it also points to, yeah, the biggest challenge within Focusmate is to continually find ways to make people feel even more safe, right? And so, you know, it. <laughs> I, taking your example again, right? It may be that 
um, somebody wants to work with somebody else who's also a first-time author or somebody else who has ADHD or, you know, they just want to work with um, uh, people of a similar age category or some, you know, something that makes them feel, hey, we have a kinship, we have a shared struggle, we have a shared mission, you understand me, I understand you. So we're also working really hard to provide more things like that. So we do have, you know, we have gender preferences, we have the ability to save your favorite partners. Um, but we're in book we're, meetings with them again. Yes, <laughs> you're invited into their schedule, you can get together and have a, a, a you know, a, a time a learning time or, or a work time together. Exactly. So we want to make it easier and easier for you to really build your own community within Focusmate of the people that you are excited and look forward to connecting with. It's amazing. It's also amazing because in this productivity world, I'm big into it, of course, and I find it very meaningful. But the way I conceptualize it is not the productivity just to become a good worker, just to be, you know, filling some sort of, you know, ex expectation about us in our society. There's something very deep and meaningful when I am engaged in the work that I feel I am suited for and I actually follow through and do it. It has a sense of vocation and purpose and power and, and growing of the belief in who I am and what I can be. I don't look at it just like, oh, I need to kind of get my work done today. It doesn't, there's more meaning to it. And we haven't even really talked about productivity. We've been talking about purpose and connection and relationships in a way that's not shallow or you know just saying that, but really it's something else. It sounds like you've created a bit of a soul of the company. I think the way you articulated it and like described productivity is is beautiful and really resonates with me because you know if we take a step back from this idea of productivity, like. Um, it's kind of just, are we doing the things that matter to us, right? Yeah. Like we're the only ones that have any right to give a value judgment over what we're doing, right? There's some outdated ideas of like, how many widgets did you make this hour, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, that's really deeply embedded in our culture. And it's, so it's there, it's there inside of us too. But the way that I think about productivity is just, are you being the person that you want to be, right? And that's kind of measured with time and space, you know, uh, how you're showing up in the material world. So um, yeah, what you said is beautiful. It's like, are you using this, are you using this time that you have here on earth to be that person? Um, and so creating a structure where you feel safe also helps you relinquish some of those those stories that we create about pushing, pushing, pushing ourselves to get somewhere. And it's more of just like, no, what do I really want? How do I want to be? What do I want to do? So that kind of gentleness and, and acceptance, I think, sets a tone for a different kind of productivity, right? And then, yeah, I don't know if you said this, but I kind of felt it. Like, the more we show up in that way, I think we're really healing something and we're building a faith in ourselves that like, yeah, it's okay to just be me in the world and that's what I'm here for. And that, yeah, that's a big part of the experience that I just would love for all people to have in life. Yeah, it, embedded and it's actually interesting, you know, our cultural relationship, I know I keep bringing back my my perspective because I'm trying to see through the lens and you know, sometimes I don't do that, of course, um, but embedded in the command of Sabbath, which is one of the 10 commandments to, to, to maintain the Sabbath day, to have a day of rest. 
uh, embedded in sort of the workings of creation as well as the importance of not being slaves. Slaves to time means that there is no day of rest. That's what it was like. Mm-hmm. The first hu- human being to say the word Sabbath in the Torah is, is Pharaoh. The King Pharaoh said, I'm not going to give rest. The embedment of slavery is no rest. But embedded in having a Sabbath is that six days there's work. And work is really can be very, very meaningful, very, very empowering. And when you do good work, then you feel rest afterwards. The If you don't, and I just can't tell you how many people I've spoken to where this is the day. They have a certain amount of work. They procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. It builds up. And then they push through and somehow get it done. But they feel so out of touch. They don't feel restfulness because they had all this other time where they could have done it. So then that that time that they didn't do it eats into their rest. And in order to move forward and to continue, we need to have the dignity of work and the dignity of rest. And I think that procrastination, what it what it's such a, a a terrible thing for people is that it takes away the dignity of work. And then there's no rest. People don't feel that they get to rest, even though they they didn't use all their time and they were doing this low grade procrastination. It doesn't feel gratifying the work and the rest. And I think part of what Focusmate is doing for people is not just making them better workers, but it's going to free up time. If they create a schedule and then they finish at five because they had a good day, then that means the evening could be open, open to relationships, open to activities, open to hobbies and other amazing stuff. And by the way, you could do also your hobbies and stuff on Focusmate too. Um, People do things in Focusmate that's not just writing or or deeper work. so that's just my reaction to just how incredible it is. Oh man, I have like 18 shoots of the mind, you know, going in different directions because there's just so much in what you said, but there's there's I think there's so much mm, wisdom of the body and the nervous system also in the idea of rest, the sabbath, what have you that um we can put ourselves under this sort of the stress of working is healthy. The body needs stress, right? Cortisol starts every morning when you wake up to get you moving and to help you survive and it's healthy and it makes us resilient. And if we don't stop the nerve, we never come back to the baseline. We never go through the like the proper kind of hormonal cascade that we need that our bodies need, right? If you just think of us like a plant or something, it's like, that's just what it needs. That's just what it does in order to, to be its best. Um, so if you think of us like that, it's just like, yeah, the, there, the wisdom of the body is like, yeah, I need to rest. I need the, the day of rest. I need the rest in the evening. I need the rest in between things that I'm doing. Like you can think of the cycles at kind of any scale, but, um, yeah. So I just wanted to call out that, um, some, you know, I think, maybe procrastination is just a symptom of like, we're constantly pushing ourselves and we're not creating the rest that we need, the safety that we need to kind of ground ourselves back down before we have that next um, push of cortisol to get something done. And this is something that we didn't, we didn't touch on earlier when we were talking about the nervous system, but I think it's really important that, you know, procrastination, ADHD, depression, anxiety, PTSD, all these things, um, are, are just chronic states of nervous system dis- dysregulation. They're, they're the body basically being stuck in a state of too much cortisol because something happened to us in the past, often early childhood, that felt really unsafe, right? And so our, our body basically learned like 
oh, we're not safe and we need to be hyper vigilant. Um, there's a certain level of awareness that's healthy. You know, let's call that like normal vigilance. But when we're in some state of hypervigilance, we're just constantly experiencing some level of fight or flight or freeze in the case of depression, right? Um, and when we're in that state, now we're kind of like jittery and anxious, right? And that's kind of what procrastination feels like. It's like, I have energy to move, but it's the energy of fight or flight. It's not the energy of, I want to sit down and like write a chapter of my book or something, right? It's like an um, escape. We're trying to escape. We're something. literally trying to escape, literally. Um, so like, I think we really just need to be really gentle and accepting with ourselves about all of these states that we're experiencing and just say, oh, my body doesn't feel safe. I need to teach it when it is safe. I need to spend more time showing it that it is safe, right? So rest and really um, mindful rest. We need to, if we're numbing out, we're actually not teaching our bodies anything, right? If we're just vegging out watching TV, that can be okay. Um, but really mindful rest is actually teaching our bodies to perceive our environment and take in the cues of safety and start to kind of move out of that that place that we're stuck in from our childhood where we're just like the world's not safe and actually come into a more uh, responsive ability to perceive whether or not we are safe right now. There's a lot more to say about this, the deeper level, the hope of the benefits on a deeper level of focus made. And I hope people really get a sense of it and we could, we could really go on. And I, I, I almost do want to go on, but I also want to start to ask you about the sort of, more surface, if you could say surface, I actually don't know if you could say surface, but executive function benefits. On, on your website, you talk about pre-commitment, implementation intentions, social pressure, accountability, and specificity in task definition. Do you want to just sort of work us through how Focusmate does that? Yeah, sure. Um, so <laughs> what's interesting is each of those things is a term kind of coined by the scientific community to say, this is something that's been validated to make people more productive. And I would say my understanding of why those things works has evolved as I, you know, as I've learned and, and we've talked about. You got to update the website. But yeah. yeah, I do. Uh, like every <laughs> I hope entrepreneur. You still believe in it in some, in some way. <laughs> like every entrepreneur, I need to update my website. But um, yeah, you know, pre-commitment as one example is just this thing where we we kind of call our shot um so it's saying my capacity to make a good decision about what i want is often better ahead of time when i'm not like you know a good example is <laughs> you and i really love taking long bike rides and we you know we like to get up and do it before it gets too hot. So we want to start at 6 a.m., you know, but if I ask you at like 5 a.m., do you want to get up and take a hundred mile bike ride at six? You're just going to be like, you're not even going to talk. You're just going to roll over and ignore me. Um, so um, often that's how we relate to these things that are really purposeful and meaningful to us. If we're about to take that step, the fear comes up, the resistance comes up. Um, but if we're not that close to it, then we can feel and sense really clearly. Yeah, that's something that's important to me. I really want to do it, right? So focus mate, just the capacity to schedule something ahead of time. Uh, it allows us to capitalize on this thing called pre-commitment where, yep, I want to do that. I'm going to book it. 
I might feel a little resistance in the couple of minutes right before, but I'm going to, I'm going to show up anyways, because now I have a commitment, um, you know, to another person. Um, implementation intentions. This one's super cool. This is, and it's related to task specificity. So when we commit to something, but we don't know how we're going to do it, <laughs> it brings up fear and resistance. Um, so, you know, when you have, it's like, hey, I need you to bake a cake. And you're like, man, I've never baked a cake before. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, no, don't worry. Actually, I'm going to send you a recipe and I'm going to actually hang out with you and tell you every step to do. And you're like, oh, all right, cool. Like, if you tell me to like measure this much flour and put it in that bowl, like I can do that, right? Um, so that's what implementation intentions are. And it actually operates on a kind of, on a few levels where <laughs> you might wanna write a book and that's much harder than baking a cake. And you're like, how the heck am I gonna write a book? Um, and actually just the, knowledge that if you book focus mate sessions you're going to make progress that itself is an implementation attention you can sort of say oh, i don't really know how i'm going to write a book but you know what i'm going to do i'm going to book a focus mate session and i'm going to work on it and then i'm going to book another focus mate session i'm going to work on it and you don't really need to know a lot more details beyond that you sort of start to realize that as long as i can get my button in the chair and just take a next step I'm gonna eventually get there. And so that's one super magical thing about Focusmate. It's its own implementation intention that takes all of the anxiety out of, you know, and we have thousands of people that have like got their PhD, wrote a book, started a business, all these things that are huge, but you can chunk it down enough through Focusmate sessions. And then task specificity is really similar. It just, it operates on another level, which is like, um, if I have on my to-do list, call call my brother. I'll probably avoid that task because every time I look at it, I have to think about why am I calling him? What am I gonna say to him, right? So it's actually not a complete instruction to myself. And so I'm just gonna keep, keep avoiding it. Um, but if I write, call my brother to figure out good dates for a family trip. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. I'm going to call him and I'm going to just say, yo, what's your calendar look like, right? Um, that's task specificity. It gets the resistance out of the way. So I think you've listed like five, but- The social, are... the last two are the social pressure and accountability. Mm. Yeah, well, so we've, we've sort of hinted at some of this a lot, which is because we're tribal creatures, because we're manimal, manimals, we're- <laughs> <laughs> We're wired for cooperation and we know that to survive, we need our tribe, which used to be really true. Now you can just get Uber to deliver your food. But the way that our bodies are wired, we are extremely responsive to other people because if we're a bad tribe member, we're going to get kicked out and we're going to die. Um, so when we are with another person, that part of our our body our mind is activated right where okay, even virtually want, even, even virtually. virtually yeah i want to be a good tribe member so like let me do what i said um so it really yeah it shifts something within us and then same with the accountability as well it's like oh yeah i want to do what i said i was going to do it's powerful it's it's 
the word that I use the most out of everything in mental health is commitment, is firm commitment, because it's sort of an anchor. There's all the, you know, as you mentioned, you get closer to the time. Now I don't feel like it. My wise mind is kind of quiet because now I have a, a deeper emotional response that's coming up that says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Commitment is this just like, it just cuts through everything. And the power of our word to do that, the power of our word to declare. That's why, you know, talk about values of not lying and of, of say, following through with what you say. Um, you know, in this week's, we, we read the Torah portions 52 weeks a year. We do a full cycle through the five books of Moses. And this week, there's a discussion about God says, what comes out of your mouth? Keep what, why? Because it's, it's like, it, it's, there's some, if you don't, and that's why it, it's better not to, we have an idea in Judaism, it's better not to vow something, to declare something, if you don't think you're going to do it. And I say to my clients all the time, don't commit unless you want to do it. It's better to not do it than to commit and say that you're going to do it. And I usually use an analogy that I'll just share briefly, that imagine you had a friend that you had a plan with for lunch tomorrow. And you said, okay, I'll see you at 12 tomorrow. Looking forward, they agreed. And then you show up at 12 and your friend's not there. And you ask your friend, what happened? I was texting you, you didn't answer. They said, oh, I'm so sorry, I completely forgot. I'll make it up to you. I'm going to pay next time. I'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Same thing happens. They don't show up. You're like, what happened? They say, oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. I'm not going to, I'll, I won't make that same mistake again. Give me one more chance. Most people will maybe give one more chance and that's it. Uh, and then they'll say, look, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I know you got a lot going on, but just we can't. I'm not going to make a plan with you right now. But unfortunately, people do that to themselves all the time. They, they say, I'm going to show up to something. And not only twice, they might do it 4,000 times. And it's almost a joke. It's almost a joke that they treat themselves and not in a, in a sinister way. But imagine that friend said eventually, you know, I can only commit, can I talk to you for 20 minutes tomorrow? Let's just do that. Then they call you and they actually speak to you for 20 minutes. And then the trust builds. I think people are losing trust in themselves to follow through. Commitments can seem fickle. And that's why I always, when I talk to students, I say, you have the hardest job because your brain executive controls, your prefrontal cortex has not developed to the highest level capacity at your early, in your early 20s. It's very hard. Not only that, you don't have a job like most people who have to be accountable and show up to meetings and have people ask them where they are. You can go through school. Everything can be last minute. Nobody cares. You're, you're on a losing game because of all this. And so something like Focusmate, I think, for following through and commitment is incredible. And that's, that's one of the main areas of benefit that I see is that people can learn to trust themselves that maybe outside of their life of Focusmate, they start to say, wait a second. I can really follow through with my word and there's a power to that. So maybe that's a, a major part of the benefit. Mm, that's so, oh man, that's amazing and beautiful. And yeah, and I think there, yeah, that is really healing. Um, just actually taking it off focus mate for a second. Like I think there's so much power in what you said too. And you called it the, the wise mind. Um, it's a DBT term. I mean, it's in every tradition from the East to the West, but yeah, DBT always says, you know, wise mind is sort of this middle ground between the emotionality and the sort of Spock-like rationality that 
we can make commitments. Commitment equals values equals wise mind. And it's an, it's a, it's an anchor. It's a compass. Um, and you see this all over acceptance and commitment therapy act where, you know, committed action and values are meant to root us so that when our brain gener generates thoughts and our feelings all pop into awareness that feel chaotic, we kind of say, wait a second, what's, what, what are we really trying to do right now? Do we want to take into account the intelligence of what our emotions and thoughts are telling us now? Or do you want to say, thank you, I appreciate you you coming to give me a message, but that message isn't helpful right now. Um, and I'm going to stay focused. So wise mind is really an anchor, I think. Yeah, I, it reminds me of something that I've kind of derived from some Taoist wisdom, which is, you know, sometimes uh, I'll use the word truth or inner truth you know it could be intuition something something that like you said it sort of it supersedes the emotional self or the fear-based self and and um i i really agree it's like when you do make a commitment you need to wait for wait to know that it's coming from that place that deep knowing that deep truth and then we commit but we spend a lot of time not in that place not hearing you know hearing other voices and voices that are pushing us to do things out of obligation out of fear you know like i don't want to lose this friend so let me like say yes to this lunch to them and then you know counterproductively we wind up um hurting them hurting the relationship and like you said we do that to ourselves all the time so you know i think a big part of our our own healing and self becoming process right is like only saying yes only committing from that place of wise mind or inner truth and i want to share a couple of mental health benefits that i've noticed and, and just see your reaction um two areas in particular with depression a lot of people as you mentioned there's a, a freezing happening behavioral activation is one of the number one ways to help people which is that they have to start doing activities that they do not feel like doing at all because otherwise they end up into a vicious cycle. I don't feel like doing it, so I don't do it. Then I don't feel like doing it more and I don't do it. And this is not a cure, but for people that are really struggling, committing to some sort of activity, even if you you, you estimate it's gonna be pleasurable, it might be the most bland thing because you don't feel anything. But when you do it, you're, you're again, starting to get your body moving, starting to engage with the world. And behavioral activation is, is one of the number one ways. And I, I find that showing up to a focus mate session is a way to activate that and to say, today, at least for 25 minutes, I don't feel like doing anything. Today's a tough day. I'm probably going to cry for two hours. I'm feeling really low. But in that 25 minutes, that's going to be a meaningful 25 minutes. And what you might notice too is that you get on there and you are smiling and you are doing things that you weren't doing before previously when you were by yourself. So for depression, just being in community and not only being in community, but doing something meaningful as an activity that you know could be good for you is one thing in committing to it. And also for social anxiety, I'm wondering about this. I've, I find that you're not having like this person that I just spoke to before our meeting, who asked me lots of questions. They're like, are you in Israel? Are you here? Where are you from? I know you're, I see you're, you know, there's meaningful little tidbits of conversation that actually happen. You don't need to have a four hour conversation to connect meaningfully and to learn social cues and to listen and to speak. And perhaps as a social anxiety exposure, where you start to face things that you're afraid of, maybe coming to a session and speaking to somebody that you're not familiar with and learning to that that could be safe is like almost a training ground to to develop social skills but i don't know if that's a bit of a stretch because it's a short interaction i don't think it's a stretch at all i mean in the 
in like the nervous system literature, there's an idea of titration. And that comes from chemistry where it's like, you only, you're only supposed to add a certain amount of, you know, one compound to, you know, thing to another. I'm not a chemist, but um, the way that we heal the nervous system or something like social anxiety, we have to titrate. We can't throw ourselves into situations that overwhelm us because they actually re-traumatize us and reinforce the feelings of unsafety. But if we just stretch that tiny little bit and it will feel the fear, but then we have a safe experience and it reinforces, okay, uh, I might be okay, right? And so you just keep doing it that really slow titrated, pace. And so that's, I think that's a really strong theory about, yeah, this environment, because it's so slow, it's so titrated, right? You, you are going to feel a little fear, but then you're also going to feel, oh, I'm still okay. I didn't die. Um, that's how we heal. And, and as you develop this app and we start to have, I know that there are groups, but as you start to have sub communities, when you get more and more and more people, hopefully you have big goals, um, that you can really customize and you can say, I want to speak to someone else who's struggling with social anxiety. Like, let's just, you know, deal with it. Let's, let's have this experience together. And you might find that some people, maybe there'd be an opportunity for like slightly longer socializing, like five minutes as opposed to two minutes. I mean, I don't know, but there's a, a lot of possibilities to take it. And, uh, I don't want to ask you too much about that. Cause I, cause I'll just be excited to see, but I, I'd love to, to talk about more at some point about kind of added benefits for mental health that I see this. I just kind of want to move towards the end of this conversation. Just ask you, what's been the most meaningful part of this experience for you so far? Any stories that stand out for you or just something that you want to share about why this has been such an incredible experience being the, the you know, the founder here of Focusmate and continuing to see it grow? Mm. Oh, <laughs> you know, th there's been so many things and certainly hearing stories like what you shared fills me up like to no end. But if I'm really honest, I've, I know that the most meaningful part has been my own journey and um, really using you know, you, you talked about how work can be so rewarding. And uh, in Buddhism, there's this term Dharma, that's sort of like duty, but it's not like obligation. It's, it's almost like, if you really tune into what your intuition or what God is trying to tell you, you're here for. And to me, you know, it, this is all kind of semantic. It's just that we all have some voice within us that's helping guide our direction. And yeah, I've had to overcome a lot of fear to continually step into owning what I see as possible and, you know, using my voice, um, taking up more space to really advocate for something that I think can be transformational. And that might sound crazy or silly as somebody who I'm on lots of podcast interviews and I'm leading, you know, team calls and all these things. But um, it's really been a journey for me to like lay claim to this, to this thing and just say, yeah, like, this is my Dharma. This is what um, I, I sometimes I like to use the word God, you know, this is what God is like pushing me or asking of me really. So let me not let, let me not get in the way of that. Let me not get my fears and my ego 
get in the way of, you know, of, of showing up in this way. So um, yeah, maybe a little curveball in terms of the answer, but I think ultimately all the stuff we do, even to serve others, is really also part of our own becoming. Well, human creativity, uh, being created in the image of God, at least from a biblical sense, is, is that we have a spark of, of, of divine creativity. Um, and when we access that in a way that nurtures the world and makes it better, it's, uh, it's powerful. And there's can always be a danger of, oh, it's all me. But I think part of what Focus Made is saying is, no, it's me and a team. Uh, it's me with others. And I need help. And I need other people to be a part of this journey with me. And of course, you have a team at Focusmate that is doing that. And Focusmate is reinforcing that. I would love to see um, some sort of being able to just, I don't know if people say that to you, but you know, collection of, I know you have testimonials, but a collection of the things that people have been able to accomplish mm. um, through that. And not only what they've been able to accomplish, but how it's impacted them for the positive. And I want to thank you personally for for this because it's one of the number one um, tools that I recommend for people. Um, and we know that it's a lot more than a tool. It's very meaningful. It has a vocational feel and that's incredible. So thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast and all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to www.resolve2vs.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two Vs, .ca, to learn more about how our services can support your needs. Till Til next time, time take, take care. care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street. <laughs>